Hey folks, it is Lisa Anderson with Boundless, and the day has come for you to take our Boundless survey. This is the one, I think I mentioned it a few months ago, but we only do this like every six years, okay? So boundless.org slash survey is where you're going to go. Grab a snack, sit down, put your thinking cap on, because this is your opportunity to tell us everything that you want to tell us about your experience with Boundless, about yourself. We're going to ask you questions about what you're up to, what you're into. Uh, just we want to get to know you better. And so boundless.org slash survey. Take the survey, uh, be part of the Boundless family in communicating kind of where you are right now and kind of who you are. And so we will take all those results and use them to build Boundless uh, throughout the remainder of this year and into next year and hopefully serve you even better. And so go today, right now, boundless.org slash survey. Thanks in advance. Boundless Show. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. This is Lisa Anderson here with you, and I always like to give a little preview of what's coming up on the show. So this week for our inbox, we have a girl who's wondering if it's right to get back together with her boyfriend after he apologized for the way he broke up with her, or is this kind of this whole thing too much drama? I'm going to give some thoughts on that. And then for our culture segment, we have Dan Houck and Chris Wataco. They are joining us to discuss a book that they've written called Intentional Relationships for Singles. Hello, if that's not right up our alley, I don't know what is. Um, but part one of our conversation, this is going to be all about like moving through the process of friendship into dating. So part one of our conversation is going to be coming up later. Okay, here we are for our roundtable, and uh, this is going to be a fun one. We've actually got a couple fresh new faces uh, on the roundtable this week <laughs> because we're going to talk about dreaming about marriage versus the reality of marriage. Now, that sounds super depressing because you think that we're going to be like, dreaming about it is all rainbows and unicorns, and then when you get married, it's like the old ball and chain. <laughs> but hopefully... <laughs> That won't be the case with these couples because they're fabulous and they've weathered it all and went in well prepared, I'm sure, and have so much wisdom to share. And so um, I would love for us to welcome Emily Ray and Dylan and Skip and Mary. Welcome, y'all. Hi. Thank hello. you for having us. Hello, hello. <laughs> Wonderful to have you. Okay. So first off, um, Skip and Mary, why don't one of you say how long you've been married? Well, me and Mary have been married now for just a little over three and a half years. Okay. So you've got a few years under your belt, you know, so not, but that's still, a lot of people still consider that kind of newlyweds. I don't know, you know, three and a half, that's pretty good. Absolutely. Um, okay. So still, you know, getting things worked out, some of the kinks and stuff. And how long did you date prior to getting married? She would tell you too long, but <laughs> <laughs> about three, about three years. Okay. Three years dating. Okay, Emily Ray, Dylan, how about you guys? We're extra newlyweds, uh, going up on six months married. Okay, six months. And Dylan, how long did you date? We dated about a year and a half before the wedding. Okay, okay, year and a half. Sounds good. Um, okay, well, let's jump in because really the goal of this conversation is to kind of give people advice around one helping allay some fears of like, oh, you know, or am I going into this with rose-colored glasses? Is this, am I going to get rude awakenings? Is this going to be all weird? Whatever. Um, or just making sure that people are doing the right things now when they're single, maybe when they're dating, so that they are the best prepared that they can be for the stuff that maybe they haven't even thought of that marriage entails. And so um, maybe give a little background, uh, first of all, um, maybe Skip and Mary, you guys can start on this one again. A little background on how you met and really what helped you determine that, like, okay, I could spend the rest of my life with this person. <laughs> well, we always say that God led this from the beginning. Um, we met at a Every Home for Christ event called The Fight, and I did something I don't usually do. I went and talked to a complete stranger and said, hello. So yeah, there I was just sitting on the curb and she walks up <laughs> and uh, proceeds to talk to me and I'm like, oh girl, is sitting here talking with me. This is great. Um, 
But uh, it, yeah, it was a total God thing. Just uh, my father always told me, if you don't know what to talk about, just talk about things you've done in your life. So I just spoke about my previous missions trips. And I guess that sparked something that she loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's what really hit it off for her, knowing that I enjoy missions. Yeah, awesome. Okay, Emily Ray and Dylan, how about you two? Yeah, so I uh, I met Emily Ray shortly after starting an Ultimate Frisbee group. Um, I am an avid Frisbee player. <laughs> and uh, she actually moved to Colorado a week uh, before coming to this oh, wow. Frisbee group. Yeah, it, it was real quick. And I, I think it was pretty... Um, pretty even mutual attraction from the very beginning. And, you know, we were, we were quick to start going on hikes together and, uh, going out to eat. And then, you know, month in, I asked her if she would go out on an official date with me and it was, yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me, and this, this question's for anyone and everyone. So feel free to weigh in. What would you say going into dating and going into marriage, what were some of the expectations that you had? Like, were did you have this picture of a person in your mind or were you like, you know, oh, I'm just kind of like leaving it open, whatever. Like, what, what would you say were some of your preconceived notions about the person you would date and then eventually marry? I, I would say, thankfully, and I would recommend this to everyone, we went through several months of premarital counseling before mm-hmm. we uh, got married. And it, it was fantastic. It really helped open our eyes to what marriage was mm-hmm. supposed to be and some of the hurdles that we would encounter along the first couple months. And by no means have we encountered all of them in these five and a half months so far. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really good at setting our expectations uh, for what combining two different lives was going to look like. Yeah. I would second that. Um I think I went into the premarital counseling with the idea that I was a good communicator and that Dylan was a good communicator and like we were going to like communicate really well starting off in our marriage. And um, I think the premarital counseling showed us how we could be better at it and um, ultimately has helped us. That has like been a huge key in the last several months in mm-hmm. doing a wedding during COVID especially. Um, <laughs> yeah, Yikes. with being well, able to communicate well. Okay. Yeah, I would say that too. Communication is a big part of it. Um, I don't know about Skip, but I always thought conflict was a bad thing until we had premarital counseling too, and they had said no, conflict is a good thing. It tells you you're on the right page, or if you're not talking about something that needs to be brought up, then it's a great time, and it even brings you closer together. Yeah, the whole concept of communication, which I've not mastered at all in any aspect, but just I found that it's a good idea for me to just open up the conversation. How are we doing? Is there anything that you would like to discuss and just open the room for this um, safe space to just be able to go, well, actually, I'd like to see a little more of this. Maybe it's... uh, could you clean up the kitchen a little better when you're after dinner? I see that you put the dishes away, but maybe you forgot to wipe down the tables. Um, but I don't know that. So opening up the space just for that uh, communication to go a little deeper so that I had no idea. But thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah. So here's a question that maybe a lot of people don't think of, um, but I think would be very insightful from you guys. What's something going into marriage that ended up being, as far as the transition, ended up being a lot easier than you thought it would be? And what's something that has been more of a sticking point or something that you thought you would be on the same page as or you would thought wouldn't even be an issue and now you're like, okay, we got to work this out? (laughs) Either side of the coin. I'll go with the more harder aspect. I thought it'd be easier um, to like connect on... Uh, having the same type of foods we eat or the same type of house uh, decorating style, you know, and I had these ideas like, oh, yeah, we're obviously going to get along with these ideas, <laughs> with these approaches. But um, realizing, oh, wait, he has a different style. Oh, he likes fruit <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> more than me liking vegetables. How are we going to buy these things on the same <laughs> budget and on the same place? <laughs> oh, wow, that's good. So I think that was kind of a, out of nowhere. I was like, oh, this is just small stuff, you know. But 
um, when you're actually trying to do it together, it becomes more challenging. Um, I feel like for me, the easier aspect has been like emotionally connecting with Dylan even more. Um, I feel like I had the idea that maybe trying to be super vulnerable, like going into our relationship already vulnerable, but like starting our marriage off with the idea that we had reached a certain level and like, this is how it was going to be. But then when we got (laughs) married, (laughs) it was like, Oh, I cry a lot more than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Being able to do that openly in front of Dylan, even more so. Yeah. I would say my preconceived notion for marriage, I guess, is that it would be hard and it would be riddled with conflict and it would be just a lot of disagreements. And, you know, as you try to combine Mm -hmm. two different lives and, move she she moved into the house uh that I was living in at the time and we kind of anticipated a lot of conflicts as that um transition happened and I actually found myself being surprised at the the lack of conflict Mm -hmm. as we moved into our lives with each other and you know we we didn't really experience a lot of the little tiny disagreements of this should go here, that should go there, uh, that I was kind of anticipating. Well, except for all that terrible decor she brought in. Other than the decor. Yeah. <laughs> there is that. So, okay, cool. Yeah, I remember it being a little easier when, you know, being apart for so long and then coming together and then you're like, oh, good. I can finally kind of make my own life with somebody else and not you know, have the pressures of everybody else's opinions, you know. Um, It was kind of fun in that way, just being able to create your own home and go, I like this, but maybe let's do this instead or whatever that may be. Yeah. So how do you guys navigate, like, expectations of your spouse? Because I think a lot of people go into marriage with expectations, and clearly we know that, like, what we see in the movies, you know, so the Jerry Maguire, you complete me, okay, kind of bogus. So we have to readjust expectations, but how do you maintain, like, really getting your fulfillment and understanding, you know, what what God gives you, uh, you know, for you as a child of God versus what what should be expected in a growing and healthy marriage from your spouse? Well, I don't want to jump the gun if we're going to talk about conflict later <laughs> on, but I would say for me, just remembering that Emily Ray is is a fallen sinner just like I am, and we we really do try to foster. Both of us are, are really uh, opposed to any kind of conflict, so our philosophy is the faster it comes out into the open, the faster we're able to close that door. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we we are definitely open with our communication, but we we keep our disagreements pretty short and <laughs> to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. See, I might differ with that a little bit. Sometimes there's when it gets too hot where you might be saying something you regret, then maybe it's time to take a step back. Just say, hey, I need a break from this. Let's come and re-meet this later. Because I think that way you don't end up wounding your spouse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's good because that's a, you know, that just shows that there are clearly differing styles. Mm -hmm. Some people are very much like, let's just put it out there. Let's deal with it now. We don't want it to fester. Whereas Mm -hmm. other people definitely their style is they can't maybe they're not a verbal processor so they need time to step away and think and come back in a more rational state yeah well and that's definitely how I am I have to think about things before I approach it Mm -hmm. from every angle maybe think of it from his perspective as well so that when I come at it I'm coming at it in a respectful manner Mm -hmm. that honors him and me at the same time Mm -hmm. while making my thoughts heard and emotions heard at the same time. Mm-hmm. She can be quiet, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> so it's hard to get a read sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that could be awkward unless you're willing to ask and be like, hey, so that breeds, you know, kind of some conversational opportunities. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about conflict and just, you know, 
you know, Dylan, you'd alluded to the fact that you're actually surprised you're having fewer conflicts than you thought. And I think that is like a misnomer, especially among Christians around marriage of just like marriage is so hard and you got to just slug it out and, you know, try to live with this person and just see (laughs) Jesus in them and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And really marriage can be fun too. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about when disagreements arise what has that looked like for everyone? Like what, how do you address it? Is there anything that just comes to mind during marriage that was kind of like a landmark blow up that you really had to spend some time working through? I would say when or when it's not a good time to go visit the family out of town. Um, I like to see them certain times, um, but maybe that doesn't work for her schedule. That's opened up some conversations <laughs> and I don't plan the best. So that didn't give me enough time to plan for my time off at work. So that doesn't work for me. Um, that's opened up some conflict. Okay. Well, nothing creates conflict than extended family. Yes. <laughs> so that's a whole topic in and of itself. But yeah, what are some other conflict inducers? I think maybe household chores. Sometimes this came up yesterday, just... I grew up with my parents where they kind of had a routine. One person did some other some chores of the house. The other, they kind of worked together. And so that's probably one thing that I kind of preconceived about Skip before marriage was that he'd just jump in and, you know, see what needed to be done and <laughs> do it. But uh-huh. that's not how it goes. Um, he's more than happy if I ask, like, hey, can you do this? Then sure, yeah, he'll do it. But he's... You know, definitely not like my dad in that way. And that's okay. That's just him. And it's something we have to work on. Mm -hmm. I think one way that we've handled conflict is I'm a very big picture person. And Dylan is a detail-oriented person. So when we come at a conflict, sometimes we see it in two different lights. Um, And so when it comes to, like, smaller issues, I tend to be like, ah, well, it's not really important to me. (laughs) Maybe you can come back to me and let me know the options and we'll figure it out. Um, (laughs) And I'll give you my overall opinion. (laughs) There you go. And so that's one way we've been we've been dealing with conflict when we do have it. We are we're really bad at picking what we want to eat for dinner. Yep. <laughs> we are that couple. Well, clearly, because one person likes fruit and the other person is like, whatever. So you can't <laughs> even shop. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, OK, so thinking back to your single season, what would be your advice to someone who's listening now, whether they're dating or not, but they're definitely not married about What's an area that you would advise people to continue growing in and to work on that you wished you would have been shored up in a little bit more heading into marriage? I think for me, in my season before I knew Skip, I kind of focused my attention on the Lord and getting to know him better. Um, And I felt like that season before I met him kind of prepared me for that relationship itself. Because then when we started dating, we kind of came at it from, okay, if Jesus isn't the center of this relationship, we're not going to keep doing this. Like, this has to be what the Lord wants for us, and we have to follow his lead wherever it takes us. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Um, yeah, that would be the big thing is just preparing yourself, not always worrying about when it's going to happen. Just kind of, you know, focusing on your relationship with the Lord, not so much the other person. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would focus more on my identity in Christ and how he sees me, because the way I saw myself, my identity was not the way God saw me, and I just didn't think I was good enough. Maybe she was out of my league, Mm -hmm. and so I didn't feel like I measured up, Mm -hmm. so I tried to compensate in other areas, whereas I should have just let go and let God. Um, She fully was all in, but I was a little scared. So I mm-hmm. would have uh, just given it to God and known mm-hmm. that I am God's mm-hmm. instead of feeling like my self-worth is what I say. But God says, no, you're good. Trust me, this will all work out because I, I went in it thinking I'm going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the long run, I've seen that God really does have the perfect plan if you just step into his role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and talking about that too, you know, with... You know, my walk with the Lord, I was able to see some of those things. And I talked them over with a mentor and said, I don't know what this is about. And learned that Skip was an adopted child. 
and she taught me about the orphan spirit and once we kind of talked about that I was able to go oh so that's why he does some of these things so then we were able to have a really good discussion about how I love him for who he is he's not going to mess anything up and I love him even if he does (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so I would say looking back I would be more patient Um, I think there there are areas in my life where I need to learn patience and and that's still active today um but I'm a very goal-oriented person so I have like an idea of where I'm going to be in five years ten years like an overall view again big picture of what I hope I can do but um sometimes I find myself letting like cutting God out of that and I I could see myself doing that um whenever I was at before dating Dylan before marrying Dylan of like okay Lord when is Dylan going to come? <laughs> mm-hmm. I want him to come yesterday, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I just need to lead, lean on him and be more patient in that area. Um, and I would recommend just even whenever it seems like it's forever that you're waiting, it's all worth it. Because um, like you were saying, Skip, we just need to rest in the Lord's plans for us. Mm-hmm. I would say for myself, just learning flexibility back then. I think that's something that through throughout the years has been a disadvantage for me. Um, But it always kind of comes around and kicks me in the tail whenever I uh, decide to step into God's plan, what you were saying, Skip, and just let go of my control for a little bit. And just, yeah, what you were saying, Emily Ray, not being as in a hurry as I am. And uh, whenever I'm able to take a step back and Uh, let God take the reins. It it always works out a lot better. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. true. Yeah, it's interesting just how, I mean, I'm a big fan. Those of you listening know that I'm a big fan of receiving and giving feedback and asking for it proactively and being willing, selecting people that you know are going to tell you some hard stuff if Mm -hmm. you need to hear hard things. Because when you get married, I mean, from everything I've heard, (laughs) I haven't been there, but you know, you're going to, you're going to start hitting up against some bumpers, you know, and it's, it's just going to come up. And if you all of a sudden think that your spouse is like, they're, they've got to be lying. That can't be true about me. And then you find out like, actually, if I'd asked 10 other people before I was married, they would have said the same thing. So just being willing to go after um, feedback. And I like what you guys all said. I could easily see one of my issues as being control. Um, I like to control situations. I like to control people. I like to, and neither of those are a good formula for marriage. And Mm -hmm. so releasing that and trusting the other person to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, No one needs to be anyone's Holy Spirit. You know, God will work his purposes in people. I think that's so great. And all of you guys have demonstrated that. So you guys, thank you so much for weighing in on this. Our time always goes so fast. I'm always disappointed, but um, I really appreciate these insights. And of course, all the best uh, to you all as you continue on in your marriages and continue to glorify God uh, in being a team uh, to serve and to glorify him in what you do. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I ran a thousand miles for you. Knowing you would break my heart. And I would do it all again because I Folks, we are here for uh, today's culture segment, and this will actually extend into next week. So you're going to get a two-parter here. I get to welcome uh, some friends to the show. In fact, one of them has been on the show before, but I have got Dan Houck and Chris Swatako here. Welcome to both of you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, um, not only are they my friends and friends of Boundless, but I feel like they need a little special introduction because sometimes we have folks on the show who are like, okay, so I wrote this book or I have this ministry or whatever. I'm an expert in something. But because you talk largely to single young adults, I'm going to kind of craft my message to fit you guys or let me think of something that I could possibly say. But these two actually live and breathe for the most part and and have historically a love for and a ministry to single adults. And uh, they know that in our space here, we're talking primarily to the younger single adults out there. Most of you, just because you are young, you're still single, you know, and you know, hello, we talk about it on Boundless all the time, how so many younger adults, younger Christians are delaying marriage for a number of reasons, some totally legit and some a little bit sketchy, but we talk. We talk about that a lot, um, but you two. Um, so let me let me give folks a little bit of an an idea. Um, so first, uh, Chris. Uh, Chris has been on the show before. She's the founder of the Singles Network Ministries and Pray for a Mate. Uh, over thirty years of ministry experience. Uh, she's currently coming uh, to us here from North Carolina, I believe. And uh, so, Chris, (laughs) so great to have you. And Dan, out on the West Coast, uh, he has been in full-time ministry for over 14 years. Uh, He serves as a single adults pastor at a large uh, ministry church and uh, previously led a marriage and family ministry, um, specializing in blended families because he is now part of a blended family married to Teresa. And in their blended family, oh, my word, they have nine kids and 11 grandchildren, which um, you're like 30 years old, so I don't even know how that's possible. But (laughs) that said, I kind of just did a little overview there. Talk to us a little bit about what you have done in the single space, both of you, and really what you're seeing out there as boots on the ground with the struggles that kind of bore, you know, how how this book was born in light of that. Well, I I got into singles ministry, uh, not intentionally, but I got into it because I found myself single. Uh, I know that a lot of people that are listening have never been through a divorce, but that was my story. And so I, I had been in ministry many years before, gone to Bible college, and I was at this church, decided to volunteer. And, well, one thing led to another. Uh, my serving turned into a, a job at the church as a pastor. And then in the end, I was uh, I was asked to lead the singles ministry at Bayside Church. And it was one of the largest singles ministries in the country. And uh, so we had a large contingent of uh, 20s uh, all the way up to you know, 80s singles mm-hmm. and with a the variety of, of needs. But, uh, you know, I had a passion for marriage and healthy marriages, and, and I found that a lot of the young singles were, were struggling, uh, struggling to find relationships or uh, to have healthy relationships. And so we started doing a class, and, and it was kind of a precursor to some of the content in this book. And we all of a sudden found singles uh, not only having great friendships and uh, you know with their parents and others, but uh, also we had a lot of marriages come out of our ministry. It was over a hundred marriages uh, during the time I was uh, doing this teaching mm-hmm. this. So. Uh, just that's a little background on me. Yeah, that's awesome. And actually, before Chris goes, I want to let folks know, because they're wondering now, the book that we're going to be talking about this week and next week is titled Intentional Relationships for Singles. And again, we're talking to Dan Houck and Chris Wataco. Um So not only is this a book book, I mean, you can read it through as a book, but it's also designed really as an awesome small group study or for a, a a class or a community within your church, uh, whatever that looks like. Tons of questions, tons of like workbookish kinds of things. Um, I've read it. I, in fact, I endorse this book. A lot of great practical tips here. So, uh, Chris, talk about your experience in the single space. Oh well, I love. I, I'm a single, never married, and I love single adults, young all the way up. And you know, I started in singles ministry in my 20s. I was a part of a large 20, 30-something ministry uh, called Solo. And I remember getting there and feeling like that they all knew that I was struggling with all this stuff that was going on. They would never let me stay. And, uh, and then as time went on, I realized we were all struggling with all this stuff. And we all had questions and doubts and fears and dating things and dealing with our family and, and what kind of career do I want and all these things. And so as I got involved, I realized 
wow, they met me where I was. And that was that, that is what grabbed me. As time went on and I started serving, I realized, wow, if they reach me where I was, who else is out there that needs to be reached? Mm-hmm. Who out there struggling with their identity, with their value, with, you know, am I ever going to get married? And if people stop telling me I should be getting married or whatever. So in my 30s, um, I felt called to go into full-time ministry and with a focus mainly on single adults. And so for over 20 years now, I have traveled around the country. I've spoken in every venue. Got a really large website that has, it's like a Wikipedia. It's got all kinds of great resources to try to help singles where they are, whether they're young, single, median age, older, whatever background, to help them where to live life where they are, to understand their value and their importance, but then to also help educate and train people who want to start ministry or ministry to singles and young adults. And so a part of that, if I've traveled and how I met Pastor Dan, was I kept seeing the same things, and I know Lisa, you get it. We we're just see, we see patterns of things with people, and I saw that a lot of churches did not have a resource that would kind of help. They, they had resources once you wanted to get married, but how do you help somebody who is still not even dating, who has problems with their family or problems with work or neighbors or friends? So a part of the, the, for me, the motivation was, wow, there really needs to be some of this kind of material. And Dan and I connected, and he's like, yeah, I've been doing some of this material. And we just started talking and go, wow, maybe we should put this together with our backgrounds and, and write something that we felt would really help uh, that single person understand who they are all the way up to conflict boundaries, friendship, dating, and engagement. Yeah. Well, that's good. And um, I do want to get into specifically some of the content of the book, because I think it's really, really good. But I also want just before we begin, if you two can briefly talk about because you you share a little bit about this, you're pretty open throughout the book of your own dating journeys, which were, you know, a little bit rocky here and there. I mean, who, which of us has not been there? Um, and, and Dan, you alluded to, uh, you know, walking through a divorce and now a remarriage. So talk to us a little bit about what what surprised you in your dating journey? Did you have any like major trip ups or what would you say was like the biggest trap that you fell into that you think, you know, had this book been around when I was dating and trying to make this happen, it would have solved a world of hurt. Yeah. Well, I, I got married very young. And so I basically, when I went through my divorce and got back in the dating scene, I took my high school approach hmm. to my dating life. Yeah. And did, didn't work so well. I call it the, the Samson approach where, hey, she looks good. I'll ask her out. And, um, yeah, it never really seemed to pan out as, as well as I thought it would. And the other thing it was, it was just hard, I mean, awkward to, uh, you know, to try and meet somebody and get to know them. And I just felt like starting over again, it was uh, – it felt like completely new territory, and things were not the way they were when I was in high school. Um, so it, it took me a little while myself to to feel like I'm confident in what I'm doing, and you know what, I'm not going to keep making some of the same mistakes I've made because I made plenty of them as, as I was dating again. And um, you know, I obviously ended up with Teresa, but um, I learned that you know building a friendship is a very important part of the first step before you start dating somebody as opposed to, um, you know, the the swipe left, uh, swipe right type approach where you you look at them as a menu and you ask them out and see if they fit with you. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um, you know, some of my past, you know, if I had this study, this book when I was younger, uh, probably the biggest thing that stood out and, you know, one of the highlights of the study is Chapter 10, which is that intentional friendship. Um, I, most of my serious relationships, the ones that I was engaged to when I was in my 20s, one I was in my 30s, I did not know them well enough to be engaged to either one of them. And I simply jumped ahead of God. Hmm. And one was a lost guy and I wasn't following God, so we were there together. But the other one, we were both in church. I met him in seminary, you know, all the check marks, Lisa, you know, you, us ladies, you know, especially young, when you're young, we, 
list of, you know, he has to have this and do this and whatever. And we're told, you know, get this list and pray over it and claim it in the name of Jesus and, and poof, he'll just show up. And so I had that list checkmarked, everything on there. And he's a Christian. He's in seminary. It should work out. But there was one thing missing. I really did not know him well enough. And I definitely didn't know him through seasons. I didn't know him around a lot of his friends. He did, I didn't have any really good background on him. I simply, uh, you know, was in this microwave type of relationship where you want to stick it in the microwave and just, you know, two minutes, it's there. It's, it's done. So I would say as I've gotten older and, and when God gave the material to write it, even today, um, I have to talk to singles of all ages and go, you've got to slow down and stop getting ahead of God and really build that foundation. Because I've never met a married couple that said, I really hate that I waited six months to get to know you before we had our first date. I really hate that period of time. And so, but I have heard people regret where I didn't know this person and my first year of marriage was horrible or worst case, they got divorced. Yeah, no, good point. And, you know, it's funny and I kind of want to go here because I think often we, you know, we know people that, you know, God is not saying like you need to be perfect or like super holy if I'm going to get you a spouse. Um, We know hot messes that get married every day and somehow they make it work and, you know, God blesses, you know, they lean into Jesus and and things, things happen. It's okay. But at the same time, there is so much more fruit in a relationship when we can do hard work on the front end. And uh, there's a lot of growing uh, as an individual, as someone in your relationship with Christ and with other people before you jump into dating. And I like the section, you guys really spend some time uh, in the book talking about blind spots and about, you know, that in fact, you have a section where you say, and I just want to read through these really quickly, and we can touch on them too why relationships fail. Because I think a lot of people get to the end of a relationship and they're like, well, what happened there? How did this not work out? Because I think I'm a pretty great person. So, you know, and you say, you list the four things as sin, unrealistic expectations, straight up the enemy and a lack of trust. And so weave that into with a conversation on blind spots, because I think so much of this is sourced out of us not having a realistic understanding of of who we are and what our own weaknesses are, what our assumptions are about ourselves and relationships. Um, And then again, and not not trusting God or the Holy Spirit in other people. And, you know, like Dan alluded to, we, we come with this laundry list of things we want in a person. And if they don't meet that list, then it's like, oh, they're not a candidate. So why do we get so hung up on all these personal um, issues and not looking realistically at the situation? I think it probably has to do with the fact we we think we know what we want and we think we if we kind of plan our relationship in our head in the future, okay, I got my list, I, I go into this relationship, it's going to work out. And then we start having problems and we realize, oh my gosh, it's not working out. How come? You know, I, oh, they didn't meet these criteria on my list. Well, a lot of times, it really has to do with the fact that we don't know what we're doing wrong. Like we don't understand some of our behaviors or what might even be attracting us to somebody. And so uh, blind spots are huge in some of the problems we bring into relationships because we, by definition, we don't know they're there until we get into the relationship and they start coming out. And so that's, that's kind of the concept of a blind spot. And one of the reasons why we need people, we need friends in our corner that can speak truth to us, that we trust, and uh, help us to uncover what some of those things are in our lives that maybe we don't see ourselves. Yeah. And, okay, Dan, you have just got to briefly share the story of going to counseling after your divorce, because I thought this was so, so good. I mean, first I was discouraged on your behalf, but it turns out it was pretty fruitful. But tell us how that played out. Well, I mean, I, I've I've been to counseling so much, Lisa. <laughs> I've got <laughs> lots of stories, but yes, I went to him and uh, asked because my, my problem was I kept finding all these women who had huge problems, and so I, I asked my counselor, "Hey." Um, what's the deal with all these women out here with huge problems? And he, he said, well, what's the common denominator? I said, the women have a lot of problems. And he goes, no, no, that's not what I'm getting at. 
you're the common denominator in all these relationships. <laughs> and so, yeah, we had uh, some time. We spent some time working out some of my things like, you know, people pleasing and rescuing and, and codependency issues and some of the things that I had carried with me uh, from previous relationships. All right, Chris, how about you? You know, I, I like to – this is my thing with blind spots. I always compare it to, like, driving a car. And I go, you know, when you're in your – with one of these newer cars where if you go to the left lane, the right lane, it goes, blah, 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 you know, it tells you you're moving over, you're, a light comes on. And I, and I kind of think of it like I'm so thankful for the extra notifications <laughs> because that's what our friends are for. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can't see those places in your car. You need people to point them out. That's why they're blind spots. You, you know, you can't see them, but they can. And if somebody's in the car next to you and you start to merge over, they're going to honk their horn because they see something you don't. So we need those people in our life that kind of help us. And so going back to kind of the beginning you were saying with Dan was, you know, I don't think people know what they want. They just know what they don't want based on experience. Yeah. Um, Years ago, I created this kind of like I want a man. I, I want him to have um, never does not have any children because you know I don't have any kids, so I didn't want his kids. Okay, um, <laughs> I didn't care if he had a, a, a great job that way he could just leave his job and travel with me, and we could just see the world together. And um, I don't really want him to own anything because then he could just run off and go with me, and we could see the world together. And then I, God gave me one of those, and he was a bum. He had a horrible relationship with his kids, and he was in debt. And I went, okay, let me redefine this cut. And and so what it was, Lisa, it's like I couldn't see that that was not, you know, I thought that's what I wanted. But really, I, I you know, you want a person that does have a good job and, and likes their job and, and has some credibility and has a good relationship with their family. And so the only way I knew that is I realized when I had that, that really wasn't what I wanted. So I think part of the blind spots for me and why we need people in our life to help us, and even our parents, especially when you're young, you still need their insight because they see things you don't see and they want to protect you. Um, but I just need people to go, oh, Chris, um, I kind of see a pattern here. I think you dated the same kind of guy before. Like, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, and he was a bum too. Oh, okay. You know, or, you know, Chris, your expectations are so high. Dan and I often say, would you date yourself? Mm-hmm. Okay, would you date yourself? And again, going back to what you said in the beginning about, well, yeah, we're all messes, et cetera. But if you would go, well, I would date myself if I was in better shape. Oh, okay. Well, I'd date myself if I, you know, had a better attitude or I wasn't always complaining. Uh-huh. So maybe that's kind of where you need to start. Yeah. And then let God lead you from there. And that's, you know, that's part of why we were the Trevor early on. It's because we felt like if you don't know who you are and if you don't have people around you to help you in the journey, you're never going to get to the end of this book. Yeah. You know, and so that's kind of, you know, a place. Yeah. To start. Well, and you a few minutes ago, Chris, gave a teaser for what we're going to talk about next week. And that is actually this process of moving um, from friendships with the opposite sex to intentional friendships and then into actual dating and eventually engagement. And so there is a process. It's a continuum. um, But I think that spending this time as we have just even talking about what do you do before, you know, because everyone feels like they're spinning their wheels before they get into a relationship or, or before they have any potential people out there. And there is, I always say this here at Boundless, there is so much you can be doing in growing personally, in understanding, you know, what your strengths are, what needs to be shored up, what kind of person do you feel God is even trying to move into your sphere, you know, having your eyes open <laughs> being and, and learning just some good communication and conflict skills along the way. Um, I think all of that is so great. And so um, if you two would be willing to come back next week, we're going to start out uh, by launching into the whole concept of friendship and then what you two uh, term intentional friendships, would you be willing to come back? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's do it.
Well, as we finish out the show, we open up our inbox and I get the opportunity to answer this week's question. And I just want to reiterate how much we love it that you guys write into us. And so please continue to do that, whether it's with a question that you want addressed on the inbox, whether it's just to say hi, to give us a guest suggestion. Um, Again, I'm just super excited about the fact that you guys are vocal and we hear from you and we just love that and we love you. So... All that said, here we go with this week's question. Our listener says, my boyfriend and I dated for nine and a half months with the intent to get married. He then surprised me and everyone who knew us by breaking up with me. He said he felt that our issues and differences were just too big and he didn't think it was God's will for us to date anymore. I soon heard rumors that he was talking to another girl. We went about six months with very minimal contact, and just this month he started contacting me again, but just as friends. He apologized for his mistakes, for misinterpreting what God's will was, and for talking to another girl. He seems pretty genuine in his apologies and thinks we can make it work this time, but I'm not sure what to do. I don't want to experience that pain again, but I could see myself developing feelings for him. My parents also would not like the idea of me taking him back after all that. Any help is appreciated. Okay, well, thank you for writing in. And um, my goodness, you know, any kind of breakup is painful. um, But this one had a supposed end in marriage. And so, you know, it's like when we break up, you're not just breaking up with a person uh, or even a relationship, you're breaking up with a lot of expectations and hopes. And so um, there's a story there that kind of is even bigger than the specific person you're dating. And so I totally understand. And I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Um, In fact, the same thing happened. To, to me, uh, I was reminded of my own situation where a guy dumped me on Christmas Eve, uh, no joke, and then he circled back around eight months later, and I did date him again, and it didn't work out. And so, um, you know, but it doesn't mean that, you know, hey, if you date this guy again, it's it's not going to work out. So I don't want to say that, but a, a few things to think of as you're moving forward here. Um, first of all, was he honoring of you in the breakup? Okay, so look back on this because again, now if, if you're like, oh, there might be potential here, you might just be forgetting all the things that went on leading up to this. So you need to take a long, hard look and think to yourself, in this relationship and or leading up to the breakup or in the breakup, were there red flags uh, that you noticed, that you should have noticed, that others noticed? I mean, because clearly this happened for a reason. You know, people usually aren't just like, hey, let's just break up and see what happens. Um You know, and so I I think that that bears uh, some mentioning as far as like just being a little bit investigative as to like, okay, what's up with that? Secondly, what has this guy been doing since you broke up? Okay, so you're talking, we're talking at least a six month span here. So how has he been filling his time? Who has he been hanging out with? Has he been getting any insight as to why this relationship went down the way that it, it did? Um, how has he talked about you and the relationship? Has he gotten any counsel from other people? And, you know, you mentioned him talking to this other girl and stuff. Okay, well, clearly he's been doing that and stuff. So I think just kind of figuring out, getting some recon as to how he's been spending his time uh, would be very helpful and very telling uh, for you as well. And so, um, you know, I think that's very, uh, very important for you to get that kind of information. Okay, so you mentioned that you broke up and that, you know, he's not talking to you, but he was talking to someone else. And, you know, I I understand, you know, first of all, it's his right to be talking to someone else. That is fine. But again, why was he talking to someone else? Like, I don't think, you know, you mentioned him coming back and apologizing for talking to someone else. That's his right. I mean, when you break up, you know, it's not he doesn't owe you anything. You don't owe him anything, you know, whatever. But why was he so quick to rebound? I mean, within these six months, when you guys were clearly talking about marriage, again, there's just some insight here um, that I think you need to to be getting related uh, to that. And so, um, you know, again, that's very hard. What you hearing that, that's hard because you guys were serious. And so it just bears noting and, uh, you know, bears, like I said before, investigating a little bit. So finally, I would say, Um, moving forward, you have every right to date him again. Um, That is totally fine. I mean, again, it doesn't sound, it sounds like it's no harm, no foul. He may be very legit in his desire to say, I messed up. I was way too soon in this breakup. I want to try again. 
that's fine. It's his right to ask. It's your right to accept or refuse uh, what that looks like. But a couple pieces of advice. First off, I would recommend taking it slowly if you decide to pick it up again. Um, Don't just pick up where you left off and be like, oh, we put in a good nine and a half months. So now we just got another two weeks and maybe we can decide to get engaged. No, uh, you need to back up and reevaluate this timeline. See where you are on this. Get the opinions of other people. Um, Ask them to observe you in this relationship, how it plays out, um, how you guys are going to address this moving forward, and maybe have a serious conversation about the way this played out and really what this looks like um, moving forward, what needs to be done differently, um, what you know needs to be brought up in light of that. I think that'd be very helpful. We have got, um, in fact, coming up soon, I'm going to be interviewing our friend Deborah Faleda, and I want to recommend her book to you. Uh, It's titled Love in Every Season, and it walks through different aspects of a relationship uh, that you can keep in mind and different things that you're going to come up against along the way with some helpful advice for how to navigate them. And so that might be a good thing for you to pick up and just review as you start uh, walking in this space. And again, you may decide to give it another go. You may not. Uh, Just be honest, be kind in making that decision and communicating it, and I think you will be okay moving forward. So, all right, folks. Well, that is it uh, for this week's show. As always, we do want to hear from you, so do write to us at editor at boundless.org with your comments and your questions. Meanwhile, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org. Focus on the family.